for starting Advent today. And I, I don't know, but I, I love the Christmas season, which starts for me in November 1st and ends December 31st. That's Christmas season, right? Um, and so I like the lights. I like the decorations. I like the food. I like the drinks. I like the parties. I like the family and the friends and the hanging out. I, I love pretty much everything about it. I like the movies. Um, but one of the things I, I, I particularly picked up on as I've gotten older is I realized one of the things I like about it is that there's so much of the message of Christmas, even from the secular world, tied to hope, the concept of hope. If you think about it, we're given hope that even a guy like Ebenezer Scrooge can change. The 2,500 versions of Ebenezer that, that end up being different movies that's what they're tied to, is that, that there's hope that that person can change. The movie's about the families that have grown apart, and somehow Christmas is the thing that brings them together. There's hope that there could be reconciliation in that family. Or if we just sing loud enough for all to hear, Santa's sleigh will still be able to fly, right? There's hope tied to that. Now, it's a weird hope. It's, you know, it's sometimes a diluted hope, but it's still hope. And I think the reason this connects with people is we need hope. I, humanity survives. Humans survive off of hope. Andrew Crouch said that humans can live for 40 days without food, four days without water, four minutes without air, but can't live for four seconds without hope. And I believe that. Generals know in war, if you can destroy the hope of your enemy's people, you've already won. But see, the thing about hope is that hope needs a source, and the source needs to be a true source. And so as Advent, the season of Advent reminds us as Christians of our source of hope, the celebration of the coming of Christ to earth, the Savior of the world. So Advent is a season of hope, and it means coming or arrival, and it's a season that's marked by expectation and waiting and anticipation and longing like uh, in a sense, like a child waiting on Christmas Day to get the present that they ask for. And Advent's not just an extension of Christmas, it's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. And here's how. Advent offers us an opportunity to share in the ancient longing of the coming of the Messiah and to celebrate His birth and to be alert for His second coming. And so it's a celebration of that hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so during Advent, we wait for both. It's a season that in the crazy busyness, it allows us an opportunity to set aside time to prepare our hearts and help us place our focus on the greater story, which is the overall story of the Bible of God sending Christ to be our hope. So turn to Isaiah 9 really quickly, if you would. You might, you might say Isaiah is the, the prophet for Advent. The season of longing, expecting, hoping for God to be with us. For, for the people of Israel, Isaiah was a voice of hope. In Isaiah 9, 1 through 2, and I'm going to throw it up on the screen for you too if you want it. It says, but there will be gloom, no, there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And then verse 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of darkness, on them light has 
shown. And if you jump down to verse 6, this is a famous passage we read at Christmas all the time. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and evermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And if you've been waiting for a sign of the Messiah like the Israelites would have been, and you hear this message, it would give you renewed hope. And, and I, don't, I don't know if under, Isaiah even understood everything of what he was prophesying. Probably not. He understood some, but Isaiah was filled with hope, and it, but it wasn't blind hope. It wasn't hope if we sing some songs that Santa's sleigh will fly. No, it was hope in the promises of God. And it was a hope that fuels continued hope in us thousands of years later, all these time. And if you were to move centuries later into the New Testament, it's the same thing that brought hope to Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist in the book of Luke. Picture this. It's 400 years. By the time... Our story opens up with Zechariah. It's been 400 years since there's been any prophet in Israel. 400 years. That's older than the United States. So when an angel shows up and tells Zechariah he's going to have a son, and this is what he says about the son, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared so Zechariah knew the significance of this moment because of what Isaiah wrote all those centuries earlier. And he knew that what was happening was a miracle. He knew that the prophecies were about to be fulfilled. The one prophesied to come in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. So hope in Israel is alive again in this moment. And we find ourselves at times a bit like Israel today because the Messiah has come. Christ has come and, and, and died and, and been resurrected and ascended and now sits at the right hand of the Father. But we're now waiting on the return of Christ. But hope is alive because God is with us and he left with us some ways to renew our hope while we wait on his return. And I think there are several ways that all of us can kindle and reconnect with God's hope during Advent. And I want to look at three really quickly. One is hope is based on God's Word. One of the things when we say God is with us, we mean He has left us His written Word. Those words are pieces of Him. They are beacons of hope. They're reminders that these things can penetrate our hearts and penetrate our spirit and assure us that no matter what we're facing, no matter how bleak our tomorrow looks, no matter how much we long for the return of Christ, we have hope now in the midst of what we're dealing with, we're struggling with, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of living on this broken world. We have hope. In fact, consider the words from Romans 8, 31 through 39. You can flip there if you want, but I'm going I'm to read it for the sake of time. Paul writes, what then are we to say to these things? Listen to this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. 
how will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ is the one who died. But even more, he's been raised and he is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Can you, can you find anything else? Does that cover it all? Because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That brings us hope. Can you feel the hope in those words? Not only are you not alone, there is nothing That's the most exhaustive list I think Paul could have possibly come up with. There is nothing that will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can take that away. Scripture's filled with these stories and these words and these promises. So over the next several weeks, go to the Word of God and have a renewed hope in this Advent season as you look to the Word with expectation. Second, hope is based on God's character. The second way we can rekindle hope is to focus on his promises and who he is. There's a story in the book of Mark that's easy to overlook, but it's a great story of hope. It's, there's a woman, and we don't, we don't know her name, but this woman had hope. For 12 years, she had a, a bleeding issue. And so no one's been able to help her. The doctors tried. The, 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 her condition's growing worse. And this is actually the kind of condition we're in that culture. It would have not only affected her everyday life, she would have been considered unclean and treated as an outcast because of this health problem. But she hears about a man named Jesus. And she hears he's doing miracles, and she thinks, if I can just touch him, I can be healed. Now that's hope. If I just get close enough to touch him, I'll be healed. I mean, that's a bold hope. And it may seem like a small action to us, but what she would have had to have done to get close enough to Jesus, who was always completely surrounded by crowds, would have been incredible. And she does it. Somehow, she makes her way through the crowd. She touches it. Mark tells us that she touched the hem of his garment and was healed. And then she hears words that terrified her. Who touched me? And Mark tells us she was terrified. And the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Jesus, you're walking through the middle of the crowd of people. Everybody in the world is touching you. Jesus said, no, somebody touched me and was healed. I felt the power go out of me. And this is what it says. Jesus said, he was looking around to see who had done this, and the woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the truth. And Jesus connected with her deeply and directly as God with us, and he said, daughter, your faith 
has saved you. Go in peace and be healed. That's our God. That's his character. Jesus is worthy. He was and still is God with us. He's fulfilled Israel's hope in the Messiah when he arrived at the first Christmas. He fulfilled humanity's hope in the victory over death when he was resurrected that first Easter. And one day he will ultimately fulfill hope and complete God's work in the restoring of this fallen creation. And the promise he left us with is in Matthew 28, 20. He said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's a promise worthy of hope. The third and last thing, hope based on God's faithfulness. That's, how, that's, a, that's one of the other ways we can receive hope. It's common for people to assess their lives this time of year, right? We're going we're gonna to roll around December 31st, and we're going to make a resolution, right? We're going to look back on the year, and you might have done that this past week with, with Thanksgiving. I thought, man, what's the things I need to be thankful for this year? How's God worked in your life in 2022? Y'all still got your magnets on your, on your wall? We still got some laying around if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so, but, uh, but what about throughout your life? What, what are some of those moments, some of those memories where you've experienced God's work in your life in a unique way? You know those times where you, you had no doubt He was there, no doubt He was working? Maybe it's recently or maybe it was a long time ago for you, but in those circumstances, swirling around you, the presence of God was with you. And what does that have to do with hope? What are those memories? of those moments have to do with the here and now. I think gratitude breeds hope. And thankfulness breeds hope. And acknowledgement and appreciation of what you have brings hope. If you're aware that that hope comes from Christ. And listen to these words from Jeremiah in the book of Lamentation. This most of, book most of us have not spent a ton of time reading. So Lamentation 3, 21 through 26 says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, look at the beginning of that. But this I call in mind, in what? In, to have hope. He brings this to mind that the love of the Lord never ceases because that love, that's our hope. That, and it's out of that love that He gives the best gifts to His children. And for us, the best, most perfect gift we were ever given was that He sent Christ at the right time. He sent Christ, born as a babe in a manger, raised to death on a cross, resurrected from the tomb for our sins. And in that salvation, He has provided a promise for us to make us more like Christ, and that one day we'll be with him in heaven. And that brings us hope because he is faithful to keep his promises because he is a God of faithfulness. What he promises, he will deliver. 